Lead me to some soul today. Oh, teach me, Lord, just what to Welcome, everyone, to episode number 59 of a series of episodes that we're calling Leading Others to Christ. My name is Dan Barker, and I preach for the Creekside Church of Christ in Franklin, Indiana, where I also serve as one of the shepherds. And for those of you that don't know, I've been doing this every time uh, for whatever reason, but uh, Franklin is about 20 miles south of downtown Indianapolis, Indiana. So that gives you a little bit of an idea of where we are. Those of you that know me, you know that I'm uh, passionate about our uh, subject today and passionate about uh, the title of our podcast, Leading Others to Christ. And uh, I have been ever since I obeyed the gospel when I was 21 years old in Owensboro, Kentucky. Um, and I've always wanted to uh, listen to others that are involved in evangelism. Uh, I've read everything, not everything, <laughs> the things that I'm aware of, I always, I grab them and, and digest whatever is being taught and uh, to better equip myself to be able to do this work. And uh, last in 2020, uh, Matt and I were talking and we came up with this idea pre-COVID or a COVID project, we call it, of uh, doing a podcast where we would uh, reach out to uh, the men and women, fellow workers out there that are doing this, uh, that are that are teaching, having Bible studies and find out where they are, how they're doing their work and uh, 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 and how they make the contacts that they are and just uh it's really been fascinating. Uh, as I said, this is episode number 59. And probably uh, probably 80% of the people that we've had on here, I've never met face-to-face. So we've, we've just met through Zoom, uh, which is one of the, the wonders, I guess you can say, of technology. But, um, and I always try to, to quote this every time. I always uh, like to go to what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Uh, the things... Uh, uh, that you've heard and learned from me uh, among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men and obviously and women who will be able to teach others also. And then later on in the chapter, verse 21, he talks there, urges Timothy and us as well to be useful for the master. So uh, this whole idea of reaching and teaching others is something that we're trying to stir people up, if you will, uh, uh, not to be negative at all, because we try to keep the whole podcast uh, positive. But there's just a lot of places, not just in the States, but even in the world where uh, the fire has gone out or it's flickering or whatever. And, uh, and many have, uh, are, are not doing this. So we're trying to remind everybody and stir everybody up with, uh, with this podcast. So uh, today we are so happy to have uh, our guest today is Kenny Mars. Welcome, Kenny. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me. Yes, sir. And uh, we're delighted to have you. We appreciate you taking the time today to do this. And uh, uh, just real quick, Kenny and I, we first met when I had hair. (laughs) (laughs) It was back in Florida College when uh, Kenny was a student there and and I was a basketball coach. And uh, so uh, good to good to see you, Kenny, uh, after all these years. And uh, but uh, uh, what we do is uh, we, we start every episode out with what we call the elevator pitch or the short bio. Uh, I know a lot of people know you, Kenny, but a lot of people don't. Uh, if you would, just kind of bring everybody up to speed with where you were born, for example, and 
and uh, how old you were when you obeyed the gospel and and, uh, and some of the things that you've been doing. So just go ahead. The floor is yours. Okay. Uh, without trying to be too boring, uh, I was uh, born and raised in Arizona, born in Tucson, raised in Phoenix. Uh, both sides of my family were members of the church. Uh, grandparents on both sides, they're all very active, aunts, uncles, cousins, etc. So that was the environment I grew up in. I was 14 when I obeyed the gospel. And um, when I finished uh, high school, I went to Florida College for a couple of years. And my objective there, my major was social studies. Uh, I don't mean humanities and arts. I mean uh, the uh, dates and the ball games and uh, all the social activities. That was my major. And uh, I did quite well in it. Uh, and then when uh, I graduated, uh, my, the only thing I wanted to do was travel. I, I just wanted to get in my car and go see the nation, see the country, meet new people. I was fascinated when I came to Florida in 1970 and met a whole new culture of people from Alabama and Mississippi, Georgia, Tennessee. Uh, it took me a few days to understand what they were saying. Uh, but once I broke through the language barrier, uh, I really <coughs> fell in love with them. And uh, so uh, I, I traveled for a few years. Uh, just living life. Uh, then uh, I got serious. Pete Wilson Sr., who's now passed away. Some may remember that name from the West. He he got me actually at lectures at Florida College. One night he took me off to the side and he uh, said, when are you going to start getting serious about Bible study? Wow. And he said it in a very grandfatherly, kind, sweet way because I had gotten to know him fairly well. And uh, he gave me the name and the number of uh, a congregation in San Diego at El Cajon. And he said, I want you to call these men and tell them I sent you. And um, so when I got back to California, I called them and they had a preacher training program that I entered for about a year and a half. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, then uh, when I finished with that, I began preaching in Northern Arizona. And uh, it was during that time that uh, those fateful moments when uh, uh, I think I let I just wait on the Lord and let him tell me when it's time. Uh, uh, he brought uh, my wife Dewey into my life and I met her uh, when I was in Arizona. She was from Texas and uh, she has, we've been married uh, 43 years next week. And uh, we've had three children, uh, wonderful kids. They all married Christians. Uh, they've had 10 grand, we've had 10 grandchildren. Uh, and they all live right now, right here within a mile of us, within Folsom. And that's why we came back to Folsom. Um, what happened was, is that uh, I uh, began preaching Arizona and then uh, Southern California. Uh, and um, things became such that I didn't really like the direction that the education system, et cetera, was going. And that was back in the 90s. Uh, and I just thought, you know, let's expose our children to a different culture. They were just getting ready to enter middle school, high school. And so uh, I contacted the church in uh, Vestavia in uh, Birmingham and we moved there and that was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Uh, uh, they, they received us in a way that even the elders said, we've never seen anything quite like this. Uh, the people embraced us. We loved them still to this day, very dearly. Uh, but as a pulpit preacher, uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed 
uh, it's hard to explain. Uh, some preachers may be able to understand that to be able to uh, direct the minds, get into the hearts of two, 300 people. And then once you have them all together in the same, uh, we're on the same page, then we start moving them closer to the Lord. Uh, that's a wonderful, wonderful feeling. However, uh, after several years of that, I thought, I, I want to go out and teach other people uh, in other lands. I hear about uh, these missionaries, et cetera, and there was an appeal to that. And I always thought, well, I, I can't do that. Uh, that's, that's not going to happen. And there were, there were two events that were uh, seismic shifts in my life. Uh, I knew that I wanted to do that. Uh, the elders at the congregation where I was working with, they didn't agree with that. They wanted me to stay in the pulpit there uh, and send someone else. Uh, my oldest son uh, had graduated school and had uh, gone to flight school. He always wanted to be a commercial pilot. Oh. And uh, he had just gotten a job, which later with United as a pilot. And uh, we, as a result, got uh, flying privileges as parents. We could fly domestically for free, and we could fly internationally for pennies on the dollar. And I saw that there the Lord's telling me something, because I always wanted to do this, to go overseas. And then when we finished our, our tenure at uh, Vestavia, uh, I got a phone call from uh, a man by the name of Steve Wilshire. I had known of Steve at Florida College, and Dan, you knew him better than I did, because he was your manager for the basketball team there at FC. But Steve called me and he said, uh, when you get this message, come see me at my office. Well, I went to his office. I didn't know he had had a company up in Northern uh, part of Birmingham area that had been quite successful. And he said, if you'll come work with me, he said, uh, I'll, uh, I'll give you 15 weeks a year to go wherever you wanna go to preach. And I was just stunned. And that grew to even more later on. And uh, those two events, uh, my son's employment allowing us to fly uh, and Steve's uh, leadership allowing us to go. And several times Steve said, um, you know, I may not always be able to go, but I can always send. And that was the key. And uh, as a result of that, uh, uh, we were able to begin going to Russia uh, my wife and I would go once, sometimes twice a year. We went there for many, many years, uh, then to Ethiopia and now to Mozambique. And uh, that has been a, a wonderful experience uh, for us in, in, in so many ways. But Steve made that possible. And uh, I will forever owe an extraordinary debt to him who opened the door for us. It was like the Lord is saying, all right. Kenny, you've been wanting to do this for many years. Now, here's the doors. They're open. What are you going to do? I felt compelled. I had to go. Sure, sure. Wow. <laughs> you know, we always tell people that when we're talking about doing the interview, I'll try to feed off the things that you say. Wow. I'm going to say, wow. There's a lot of places to go here with what you said. And uh, that's that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. One, one I want to go to is just the blessing, and I know you know this, the blessing, this being able to say that both sides of your family uh, were Christians, your parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, and 
and you grew up, if you will, around the Lord's people. And uh, what what an incredible blessing that is, because many, many do not have, uh, cannot say that, right? They can't say wow. that. And uh, and then this came up in uh, our first uh, interview we did with uh, Benjamin Lee. He preaches in Texas. And he was talking about meeting somebody one time and uh, and he made the comment, well, what if, I, he said, I started thinking, what if I had never met her? What if I had not started that conversation? And I, I wrote down, what if, when you mentioned Pete Wilson, what if, right. and we know, but what if Pete hadn't pulled you aside in that grandfatherly way and had that conversation with you, right? Right. Uh, just to plant those thoughts. And uh, uh, did you ever, when you were in uh, El Cajon or in San Diego area, did you ever meet Ron Adams, Ron and Marie Adams? Uh, I no, I, they may have come after me. I'm not, I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, doesn't, doesn't ring a bell. I may have. I Yes. Yeah. That we had, we had interviewed Ron early on in, in our episodes here, but uh, that's where I met them. Our son lived in San Diego for a couple of years and uh, we got to go out there, which was great. It was, it was great to get out to that part of the world, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and then Vestavia, you mentioned them. I had told you just uh, a month or so ago, they'd asked me to come down and speak there. And I got to meet a lot of those people and right. you're right really a special group and uh and and uh so that was the connection i could make with you there by being down there i love what you said too about it took you a while to learn how to communicate with people at florida college because of their of their accents oh i i get confused I, people tease me all the time i say well, i can't speak a foreign language but i said wait a minute i speak kentucky so yeah. you have to you have to listen you know uh, right. uh you know, uh, one of the things I ask, and you really have touched on it, but I'm going to try to pull back to it again. And then I want to talk about the, the work that you've done in, in teaching and training preachers. But how would you answer this? And, and I think you did partly already, but why, of all the things you could have done, right? Well, all the things you could have done, why did you, why are you doing what you do, Kenny? I, I hope people will take this the way that I'm going to say this. I, I don't mean this in any kind of self-congratulatory way, but early on, I discovered that I had the ability to do this in a way that others did not. And that was reinforced by many, many comments from many people and yeah. particularly overseas. And I, I realized, uh, I think this is what the Lord has made me for. You know, everybody in uh, most disciplines of life, they'll look for a way to what should I do this? And then they'll hit on something that becomes natural that follows them. And they realize that maybe I was born to do this. And I, I think much like that in the respect that when uh, I began preaching, uh, I could see the difference it was making in people's lives and that I was actually being productive in something. And then when the opportunities came, the sense of obligation to the Lord, where I had prayed for, asked for some of these things to happen, and they weren't happening in local congregations. But when uh, Steve Wilshire called me, the doors swung wide open, and I, I could not help but feel the Lord is saying, here it is now. You know, uh, you, you better walk through this door, because if you don't, you know, you're, you're turning your back on everything that you wanted to do. And so, uh, that's why I said earlier in our conversation, uh, I, I don't think I could overstate the importance of uh, uh, 
Steve, he said, I know, I, I've been following you. I, I, I know what you're doing. I know what's going on. And he said, uh, if you'll come work with me, we'll make this happen. And it was just an extraordinary moment in life. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, quite a story. The two points there with your son becoming a pilot and the benefit for you guys with that. And then with Steve calling. Uh, yeah, it was like it was just meant to be, wasn't it? And uh, yes, that's, you that's know, the only thing you could conclude. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, and it's, uh, you know, uh, the thing that, that you mentioned there, too, about going to the other countries there and focusing on training preachers and teachers. Uh, right. How about this for a silly question? Preachers need to be trained. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Is, it, is that a silly? It's just like, so preachers have to be taught. They have to learn. So I, I could say the same thing about elders. Elders have to be taught. Elders have to learn. But uh, so uh, uh, let's talk about that for a second because of, of the, uh, and, and I think the people that have not, you know, the average person in the pew, if you will, uh, that have not gone through anything like that, they, they don't understand. It's like a lot of things. It, if I met your son and he's a pilot, well, I don't have any idea what all he's gone through and learning all the training he had to go through to, to be able to be a, a professional pilot. But uh, but the need that's out there, the need that's not just in, in Russia and other places, but I think especially there uh, for uh, training in this area. So talk about that a little bit, if you would. The need for the training. Sure. Um, when I when you called me the other day, I looked at a few of your interviews and I, as I had told you, I really liked the fact that you had uh, mentioned Second Timothy 2, 2 uh, in your introductions. Uh, a long time ago, uh, that passage really kind of became my model. Uh, as I looked at that, I thought, if I'm going to be successful, this is really what I can do. Everybody's different. And this is, uh, this is not a criticism of other preachers uh, wow. because they can get real critical. But I, I, I felt like if I stayed where I was, I would just become a professional pulpit preacher. And I see a lot of that. And they and especially when you're in a larger congregation, it becomes political and uh, you become the uh, figurehead for this organization. And I looked and I couldn't find that in the New Testament. And it was, it was hard sometimes when you're studying uh, the book of Acts or other letters from Paul and Peter and think, uh, I'm not doing that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm here and, and there's a place for that and a need for that. Don't misunderstand me. But for my particular skill set, I thought I, I need to go out and train these preachers because when I came to, first of all, to uh, uh, Russia and then to Ethiopia, uh, the history of Ethiopia is quite interesting. Uh, it would take a long time to cover it, but there are more Christians and possibly more congregations in Ethiopia than all of the United States. It is so deeply ingrained in that culture and I was so surprised until one of the preachers looked at me like I was nuts. And he said, Brother Kenny, uh, Acts chapter eight, the Ethiopian eunuch, the church first began there. And it was, you know, duh. Why? Right. And it grew and grew. And uh, but I realized that the men and there were hundreds and hundreds of preachers that would gather. And as a result, uh, many preachers from America started going over there. And Randy Harshbarger from uh, Nacogdoches, Texas, 
called me uh, the first year. He said, would you go with me over there? Sure. Be glad to. This is at the very beginning of my, uh, my work now as overseas. And then more and more preachers started coming. And it got to the point where I thought, you know, I'm now plowing other people's fields. Uh, I, I want to go somewhere where no one has ever been. And so I talked with Steve and uh, I contacted a preacher that we knew. I said, is there anyone in northern Mozambique, Nampula? And he says, well, I happen to know the secretary general of the Church of Christ in Mozambique. <laughs> and uh, really, I've always wanted to meet the secretary general. <laughs> and so I emailed him, told him who I was and said I would come over and I would reserve a hotel for three or four days. And if you could gather the preachers together, I would like to teach them. And he said, yes, we will give the invitation. I said, how many preachers? And he said, well, probably about 100 from wow. over the northern province. And he said, now they won't know each other because they'll be coming from many different places. I said, all right. So we started there and that became the most fruitful work because the Catholic Church, they were fighting against it, but they had put into system a system just like the Catholic Church. So in my, um, in my second year, I, I laid up a diagram of the Catholic Church and then the diagram of their church and they were identical. And I said, there are no offices, you know, in the New Testament. And at that second year, the secretary general, his name was Magai. He told me, he said, you are right. I'm resigning my position. Uh, I am no longer the secretary general of the church. And to make a very, very long, involved, interesting story, very short, he and about 10 or 15 other preachers broke away from the mainstream uh, institutional uh, denominational church in Mozambique. And he now has proved to be a very faithful teacher. And I'm basing my work now on him because he is now starting to train the young men that he knows to teach, young men that I've met. And I thought, this is 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Yeah. The key part of that verse is the middle phrase, finding faithful men. Faithful men. So I thought, if I can go here for three or four years and find one faithful man, that I can put my trust in, he can be the catalyst for more preachers, more teaching, more Christians, more churches. And that is exactly what has happened in the last two years. Uh, he's constantly needing more Bibles and songbooks for brand new Christians in congregations that they have now established just within the last two years. And so uh, I hope, Lord willing, to go back there in the spring and get this thing uh, fully set up so we can keep this thing going for a long time. You know, uh, I've had uh, I've had a chance to go to two times to uh, uh, to Sierra Leone and Jamaica a couple of times, and uh, the Sierra Leone was uh, was a fantastic experience. And uh, but it's like, uh, and I went to Africa. This is uh, when I was in college. We won the NCAA tournament, and the State Department sent us to seven countries around Central Africa. Uh, and uh, so, you know, I was exposed to that world, if you will, when I was real young. Uh, I wasn't a Christian then, but uh, but just the uh, the excitement that I can hear in your voice of uh, of what you've been able to see and be involved in. And uh, myself, I, I've not been able to be involved in anything quite like that. And others that are that are listening to this, 
And uh, that's why so, uh, I think it's so important to tell these stories so people can go, wow, I, ju I just didn't understand. I didn't know because, you know, we grow up, we grow up in uh, California or in Alabama or Kentucky or wherever. And uh, so many, uh, you know, what they know about the church is what they know about the local congregation. Those are right. things that they've been right. exposed to. And they, you know, talk about a bigger picture or what else is going on right. out there. So many people, they're, they're just not aware, are they? No. Uh, and then especially when you get in there and start working with those that, that want to learn, that are like Timothy, uh, that are willing to, like, and your guy there that, that gave up his title, Secretary General of the, uh, you know, people don't realize what that is. I mean, yeah. I'm sure there was a salary probably associated with that, and he had to make all those kind of changes. And, uh, but I just find that fascinating. Maybe we do another interview where we have more time. But, uh, stories. oh, uh, well, let's, uh, I always have one section of it where we, uh, where we talk about, and Matt, can you believe it? We've got five minutes left. <laughs> yeah. That's, we might, I don't know. We might, okay. I got it, Matt. Uh, but he always gives me a, you can hear the ding in the background. Uh, I always talk about a conversion story. And I know you've got several, but uh, tell me about one that comes to mind that you'd like to share with everyone of uh, somebody that, that was uh, led to the Christ, was led to Christ because of uh, situation and efforts that you were involved in. After my second or third year uh, in Nampula, uh, training the preachers. Uh, one afternoon during a break, one of the preachers came up to me. His name was Jorge George. And he said, Brother Kenny, really, I want to introduce you to someone. And there was a man who was uh, in his, I would say, uh, early 40s, very slight built, very quiet. And he said, last year, I went up to a village in the mountains and uh, I asked the elders of the city if I could stay there for three days and preach to them the gospel of Jesus. And the elders said, yes, you can. Who's Jesus? Wow. And so he got up there and he preached in that village. The entire village was there. One of the men heard him and, say, would you, and said, would you come to my house? I want to hear more about this man who died for me. So Jorge said, I went to his house stayed with him another day or two, and I baptized him and his house. And it just so happened that that man was the village witch doctor. And right. when he had been baptized, he took all of his potions and his writings and papers and went out in front of his house and burned them. And when he told me that, I thought, whoa, I, I've read this before. Wait a minute, that's Acts 19. <laughs> when the men in Ephesus, and I thought, I've read that for years and wow. never would have imagined that I would be right in the middle of a situation like that. And wow. he looked at me and he, uh, I, I, I still see his face. He was scared. I mean, he was clearly converted to Christ, but he wanted to ask me a question. He had bought a used sport coat so that he didn't know any of these other preachers. He was not a Christian at the time. He put this coat on so he could be presentable, came to Nampula to meet all of these strange new preachers. And then he asked me, he said, since I have been baptized, I am having terrible dreams, nightmares that I'm frightened. I don't want to go to sleep at night because I'm scared to death. What should I do? 
and I'm on the spot there. I mean, I don't, they never trained me for that in any preacher training class I ever had. I thought, what do you say to that? And uh, the Lord, I'm, I'm convinced of this. Say what you will. That's, it doesn't matter. Philippians 4, 8 immediately came to my mind. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are think on these things. Yes. And so I took a piece of paper and I wrote in uh, their language, had to write Philippians 4, 8. And I said, go home and read this verse three or four times a day, each day, read this. And he said, okay. And then it dawned on me. I just gave a prescription to a witch doctor. Wow. Wow. That never, that never, ever would have happened if I had stayed preaching a Wednesday night class in a metropolitan area the rest of my life. That no. wouldn't have happened. You know what? Maybe you need to write a book and the title. Oh, would be, I, I yeah. gave a prescription to a, a, a witch, witch doctor. doctor. <laughs> yeah. I ran into some witch doctors in, uh, in Sierra Leone. <clears throat> so it, it's, and again, just to be able to say that yeah. and people, people look at you here, you know, that haven't had that opportunity like what in the world are you talking about but uh wow what a story Kenny that's that's amazing and and just just imagine in our day and time for somebody to say uh who yeah. is Jesus who is Jesus and I want to know more about right. this guy I want to know more about this guy that died for me wow uh wow you know so good so good uh, now do you speak other languages have you learned other languages uh I, I speak a little bit of Spanish in every country that I go to. My wife fusses at me. When they start speaking Russian, I will say, you know, uh, muy bueno. Yeah. And, then, and I, I, I don't know. I only speak one language. Yes. But I have translators that uh, we've been right. able to uh, convert a couple of our translators too. So yeah. that uh, has been a benefit. I mean, that's a whole other conversation, too. Yeah. And I remember the first time I preached and had a translator in Sierra Leone. That was so amazing. Uh, <laughs> and, and to be able to have that is just uh, it, it's, it's amazing to uh, to understand that and think back about all of the times in the New Testament when the church was growing there. And, you know, uh, Kenny, this has been so good. Uh, uh, we always end with what I call one thing. And, and there's not one thing. but uh, somebody's listening to this and, and you've got them on fire. They're excited and they're thinking, I need to learn more about this. And it might even be somebody, and I want this to sound right, that has found themselves, they've kind of fallen uh, uh, into a, uh, what'd you call it? Professional pulpit situation. And uh, in, in this, I think this does happen. And maybe they're realizing that, that there is more to this and there's other things out here that need to be done and thought about and focused on. But anyway, if somebody said, I want to learn how to lead others to Christ, what would be one thing that you would say that they need to learn how to do? Well, it's hard to put it into just one thing uh, because there's so many different models. You know, uh, there are a lot of good teachers and preachers out there who have their own, uh, manual they put their own little program together and said and those, those are all good and and I don't I don't want to sound critical of any preacher who stays in the pulpit their whole life there's a need for that and they need to yes. do that but yes. some people are born to be administrators others are born to be teachers others are born uh who could never speak in public but are are fabulous private one-on-one -on -one as personal workers each one is different 
Um, I, I would, I would say this, find your strength, whatever it is. Don't, don't try to emulate somebody else. Find your strength in teaching and then follow that and see where it leads you. That's, that's what I would say. All right. That's, that's really good. Nobody of all the other interviews, nobody said it exactly like that. So, uh, that's really good. And, uh, you know, we talk and we've all heard sermons about different gifts that we have, I'm not talking about miraculous gifts, but, you know, we, we're all different uh, with different personalities, different teaching styles, like you say. And uh, and we need to appreciate all the different styles because, you know, you're you would you can set up studies and talk to people that perhaps I that they never would talk to me. They, they didn't wouldn't feel comfortable talking to me for whatever reason. And that's where I think. A lot of our women could could do so much uh, of the studies that they can set up and people that they can talk to that Kenny and Dan never would be able to get a study with them. And there's right. so, so many opportunities out there. And uh, well, listen, brother, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, would you be willing to share some contact information if they wanted to, to call you or text you? Certainly, certainly. So what would that best? Okay, best uh, they could. Uh, my email is, you know, you could probably put it on the screen later. K-M-A-R-R-S, the number seven, at gmail.com. K-M-A-R-S-7 at gmail. Okay. My phone number would be 916-461-3986. Either one of those, text me, call me, whatever. <clears throat> All right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, wow. Uh, and we've thank said this many times that this uh, this this time goes by so fast. And especially when you're talking about something that that's this important and uh, and what those that have been involved in doing this, which is everybody that we've interviewed. I mean, it, you can see their energy and they just light up and. Uh, and they start talking fast and they've got a lot of, it's because it's an exciting thing. Yeah. And it's, no, it's right. contagious, isn't it, Kenny? It's contagious. Yes, it is. Yeah. When you start doing this work, it's contagious. So, all right, keep it up. And um, thank you. Yeah. Thank it's, you. God bless you, Dan. Well, God bless you. And uh, Lord willing, we'll be able to see each other again sometime here soon. So, uh, uh, yeah. All right. Well, thanks again. And appreciate right. you taking the time to do this. Give me one soul today.